Welcome to the MLB Coast to Coast podcast brought to you by thelines.com. Coming to you from the West Coast, Josh Lander, joined as always by Nate Weitzer on the East Coast. And we're rolling along in the MLB here. Got a Thursday slate of baseball for you guys. Decent amount of games, obviously, here, uh, as not too many teams are on a break here on a Thursday. On Wednesday night, we went another 500 there in our record, 3-3. Three and three. Uh, Another little tiny loss of money as well uh, as we continue to just hover. Were we up, Nate? Correct me if I'm wrong, please. Yeah, we lost the half unit bets. We hit that. We hit that Astros money line, so yeah, money up. I need to uh, get my 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 uh, calculations here in order for Jack when he when he uh, edits this video. So I'll make sure to do that. I know we went three and three, and Nate is correct that we portioned our units intelligently here, uh, so that we did make sure to stay up units. And I won't give us uh, and I'll give us more uh, credit next time. I promise. I also want to remind you to like and subscribe to the page. We're coming back to you each and every weekday this season. Also head to thelines.com. Use that odds finder tool we have up there that Nate and I are using each and every morning to get the best odds available to us from these books, giving us bets this season. Nate, where are we kicking things off here on the Thursday, the 17th? We're we're going to uh, San Diego? Yeah, we're going to a fade of Rich Hill, who is definitely, what, he's like 43 at this point. Um, And I'm taking under 15 and a half outs for him. Um, you know, I was interested in take in fading him to say a certain amount of hits or earn runs, but honestly, I don't know how long before he gets the hook here. The, he's made two starts for the Padres and they've only, they've taken him out in the third after three innings, basically taking him out in the fourth. So 15 and a half outs, he would have to go 5.2 innings at least, um, to get over that. The last time he did that was July 17th with 19th with the pirates uh and that took 97 pitches i don't think the padres are interested in stretching him out that long especially when you look at the rest situation they gave him six days between his first two starts there now he's starting on five days rest um and in his career like a lot of guys the 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 era goes up the starts become shorter when he has shorter rest he averages just four and a half innings pitched in his career or last year when he was on four days rest. Um, this year, post all-star break, regardless of rest, he's averaging four and a half, 4.6 innings pitched with a 6.7 ERA. And the matchup against Arizona, it's about average in terms of lefties, but I think it's, it's, it's good in terms of just forcing Hill to work. Um, Arizona, this offense does make make guys work here. I mean, in August against lefties, they have 21 walks to 25 Ks on the season. In general, they have the 10th lowest outside swing percentage, 6th lowest swing percentage, and 3rd highest contact rate. So they're going to wait for good pitches. They're going to they're gonna make a guy like Hill work, throw pitches. I mean, when he faced them on July 7th, he threw 95 pitches through 4 innings, 4 walks to 3 Ks. And then, of course, he faced them again here. Um, in his second start with the Padres, it took him 83 pitches to go through three and a third, and he gave up seven hits in the process. So this is my favorite bet. This is why I go a full unit here. I do like the Diamondbacks' first five money line as well, which is plus 114, because you got Zach Gallon on the other side. And if I'm fading Hill, and Hill's going to be yanked in the third or fourth because he's going to give up some production, I, I trust Gallon still leading the Cy Young poll, that, the latest one to come out here. Uh, you know, I trust him to to do just fine against this Padres lineup, which I guess burned us earlier this week, getting to Zach Flaherty. But Gallon, uh, Jack Flaherty, that is. Gallon, I mean, yeah. he's 4.3 war, same as last year, just 
lights out. He's also an extremely aggressive pitcher this year, 69% first strike rate, great against a team like the Padres. That is not striking out. That is making you work. And, and I mean, yeah, better swinging strike rate than last year even. I mean, I don't really need to go into it. He's a young stud, and Rich Rich Hill is a old bull going out to pasture here. He is a bull. Rich Hill is a bull. Um, it was such an interesting move to get Rich Hill there for the pods like they did. Um, <laughs> just an underachieving team with a dude on his way out. They don't have much to they, – they don't have any room anymore for, for, for losses due to the pods, but that's surprising that you can still get such a good price. I, I do want to be honest. By the time people see this, the, the D-backs' first five money line probably will be much lower than it is at the plus money that you were able to find it at early. Um, it's just so insane that the books are continue to give – these Padres so much respect like they they're so far out of the playoff race and they're still like expected to win games you could still get them at like a bad price to make the playoffs um in in the wild card so they just on paper it's like one of those teams where the books are just like we'll just continue to to over inflate everything that is Padres lines because you guys keep betting it and you guys think they're good because you see Soto and Tatis and Bogarts and everybody else on that team. Uh, and it's just not achieving the way that, that it should with the names that are on the roster. Um, and so, yeah, Zach Gallen, it's a wide open NL Cy Young race because Spencer Strider just kept giving it back to him after it kind of seemed like he might've had the, 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 the pull there with four straight 10 strikeout games, uh, you know, and, and winning the, the sort of top 10 sports center highlight game. Um, he's always, he was always there and it seemed like he had it and then he just blew up and Zach Zach Allen uh, can definitely sort of seize more control of it with with a good win uh, in a division game tonight. So uh, I'm starting in a place where I'm I have a similar fade to you, where I'm I'm strongly fading Adam Wainwright. I've just been sitting here waiting for Adam Wainwright's pitching day to come through the last like two months, Nate. Like it's been awesome. It's just one of those things where you're like. To, to to compare it to the NBA, it's like oh the the Kings are playing the Clippers tonight. Let's let's get the over on the two you know on, on the total there because uh, we're about to get some runs and that's what I'm doing with Adam Wainwright tonight. Um, I'm going and, and the thing is is I'm not backing the Mets because one as you can see in this T-shirt I am a Mets fan which means when I bet on them they lose. Not really trying to go down that route. Jose Quintana's on the mound versus Wayno and though he's looked good at his sort of surface level numbers there in the last uh, four starts that he's made for the, the Mets since coming back from injury um, and missing the first part of the season, he, he's been all right. But the thing that scares me is is the, the 3.03 ERA is accompanied by a full run worse XERA at 414. The FIP is at 293, uh, and it's all the way up to 5.03 for his expected FIP. Those are, those are very skewed numbers there. Uh, too big of a differential for me to believe in, in the core numbers that he's throwing. His stuff numbers, if you will, also not there with a little bit of velocity down to be expected coming back from injury. Um, but let's just focus on Wayno and talk about these bets through the, the lens of Adam Wainwright. First five over five and a half runs. That's minus 138 on FanDuel. I'm taking that. Uh, I'm, putting, I'm splitting a unit, so half a unit on that and a half a unit on over 10 and a half for the total game. You can get that at minus 104 on FanDuel. I wanted to split my units there between uh, a, a that I feel really good about and another one I feel good about, but I get better odds. And then I'm, I'm going to target uh, a little bit of Paul Goldschmidt here because he has absurd numbers against Jose Quintana. And we know that he also is one of the best uh, righties, at least in the last 20 years, when it comes to facing lefty pitching. He just mashes lefties. So uh, Goldschmidt, a, a hit 
or uh, hits plus runs plus RBI. So combined for uh, hits plus runs plus RBI over two and a half there. That's plus money, plus 115 on DraftKings. I'm putting a quarter unit on that. You'll usually find that bet a lot closer to one and a half uh, in terms of hits, runs, and RBI, but we know what Goldschmidt does here. Uh, and I'm also going to take a little sprinkle, a $5 bet on a, a Goldschmidt home run at plus 450. I mean, at this point, like, it's crazy, but they, they juice these home runs way down to what I think they should be. I think 450 is now where you, are, you can actually consider it value on a home run bet for a guy like Goldie. Um, just to talk about him versus Quintana, 11 for 17 in his career versus Quintana, 647 batting average with three dingers in there. And then you got Arenado as well, by the way. Like, you, you can't really pitch around him either. He's only two for 15. Both of those hits, though, are uh, home runs against uh, Jose Quintana as well. Uh, and basically, this offense versus lefties, thanks to to Arenado and Goldschmidt especially is a top five, seven offense in baseball when facing lefties over the course of the last, you know, since July started, which is really where I'm starting a lot of my, my stat finding these days is let's talk about the last six weeks or so. And, and that's where they continue to be one of the best. The, the overall batting average against Jose Quintana for the, the guys in this lineup is going to be 306. And that is a little bit skewed because of the fact that Paulie G over here is batting uh, 647 against him. Uh, but still, like I said, if you're going to have him up come up four times, I think he's getting on base at least like three of them. Uh, and then looking at, at, at Wayno, I, I wanted to start there, but I saved the best for last. And, and this brings me great joy because I still have the, the vision of Wainwright striking out Carlos Beltran in 2006 in the NLCS burned into my mind. So I love watching him get clobbered. Um, Owen six his last seven starts. I do want to be fully transparent here. The last time he had a quality start and got a win was against the New York Mets in June. Since then, his ERA has raised three full points. Uh, and in his last seven starts, it's a 14-8-7 ERA because he's given up a ton of runs in just 3.1 innings pitch per game. He can't make it past the third almost ever. Um, he hasn't gotten more than five Ks in his last seven. He's gotten zero in three of them. I think you can go under three and a half Ks for him as well because I don't see him lasting very long in this game if you want to fade Wayno in that sense. Um, he's given up eight dingers. He's given up. He's got 15 strikeouts compared to 13 walks in those last 23 innings that he's pitched with a nice sparkly 2-0-9 whip as two guys an inning are getting on base against him. Um, and the, bet, the, the Mets bats from top to bottom are very good against Wainwright, a, an average of 326. That includes two of the dudes at the bottom of the lineup who are have, have only had about 70 to 80 career batting uh, plate attempts for the Mets here, and they also uh, both are batting above 350 against Wainwright. So everybody sees him well. Everybody who's young on this Mets team that's faced him has only faced him as an old sort of on his way out of the league type of player. Um, so just it's just a juicy matchup to take runs against Adam Wainwright and Jose Quintana, who has pitched well above what his actual numbers should be. It must be National Old Pitcher Day uh, with these two guys. You know, how does Kevin Costner keep getting work? Um, <laughs> exactly. Yeah, I have no problem fading both of those guys. The Cardinals, <clears throat> as a team, really hit lefties really well. It's not just those two guys you mentioned. Quintana, the one thing he does do is limit homers, he, he, but he does give up a ton of hits. And you look at his game log against the Cardinals recently with the Cubs, etc., um, I do think there's going to be plenty of production on both sides. Yeah, if we're expecting that game to go over, though, I think we're both in alignment here on the under in Cleveland. Once again, um, Cleveland been a team you can try to bank on the under here. And I'm pretty confident it's eight and a half runs. Uh, minus 104 is where I found it. 
even with Xavion Curry opening for the car, the Guardians, I, I don't know how long he's going to last. I mean, probably only around three innings is all they expect from him, but they have a really good bullpen to patch together behind him. And really, I'm I'm feeling confident about Tarek Skubal, who who's uh, making his eighth start of the year now for the Tar- Tigers, is a guy with incredible upside and a lot of his you know his his surface numbers are not great with a 4.2 era but he has a 2.7 x era he has some incredible you know ground ball rate 54 percent he has a 28 percent k rate he has a career best career low four and a half percent barrel rate so he's just not giving much up and then you can't get a better matchup against the the worst hitting lefty team Versus team versus lefties. I mean, worst hitting team in general in the Guardians. Uh, but they have a 78 weighted runs created plus, 284 Woba against lefties. Um, and that's despite a low K rate. And I don't think you face many lefties like Scooball who can make you strike out even if that's not your approach. I mean, 98 miles per hour, filthy stuff. Um, a bit unlucky in his last start in Fenway or at Miami. You can look at that and, and understand that you know, his other starts recently have been pretty dominant. I know you might, yeah, you're on Detroit to be up in the first five because of Scooball, and I I think that's fine. I would only go like a quarter unit on that just because I'm not, I'm still not trusting this offense, even though it's been much better in the last couple of weeks. Um, they're still missing Austin Meadows and Javi Baez, I think. So I, I'm not super high on them, but uh, yeah, like I said, Savion Curry, he's a, re- he's a converted reliever. Um, and the, the, while he does have some vulnerabilities, he, he classic reliever stuff, right? He holds guys to 177 average with runners in scoring position. He knows how to get out of a jam. He's held batters to just 206 hitting in his five starts. And they're just not going to expect too much of him. Just get us through a few innings and we'll get to that good bullpen. So these teams have gone under in nine of their last 12 meetings and, in uh, in five of six this year, they, they've they've averaged just four point seven runs total when they've met, which is not surprising considering we're talking about the third and you know worst offense in the league, depending what metric you want to look at. So I, I'm sticking with the under here first and foremost. Yeah, I I I think the under is a good play. Um, you know, the thing that would scare me is Xavier Curry more than anything. It's really interesting too because Tark Scoobles numbers are wildly different when he's on the road versus at home. I don't know if you caught that specifically, but he's pitched 18 innings at home and has not allowed a run, an earned run, rather. Um, he has an ERA of 0.00 in 18 innings at home. On the road, 14 innings, 9.64 ERA, uh, 15 earned runs in Tiny those 14 innings. Size, That's how you get though, like I, It's yeah, a no, small sample size. I'm not reading into it. I lo- I'm nerding out on some weird, weird baseball stats, uh, which which happens. And and I also wanted to take it a step deeper and explain why that is. You have to look at the teams he's played on the road, and it's not that hard to do to look at the the, the short amount of starts that he's played. But if you look at his game log on the road, he's facing uh, teams that Miami the Miami Marlins are a very good like top eight 
offense uh, in the last two months against lefties because they hit them so well with some of those big guys on the right side of the plate like Jorge Soler. Um, the the Giants, a good he gets the Giants at home. He gets a Tampa Bay team that was just struggling at home and is also not in the top half of the league against lefties. They're much better against righties. Um, and then Kansas City as well. Like Kansas City, by the way, is the best offensive team in the league since July 14th. I don't know if anybody knew that, but they have the highest OPS of any team in the league since July 14th. And yes, I'm calling them at least a top five offense in the league since July 14th. And what happened then was Bobby Witt Jr. came up uh, and and really has made a humongous difference for them, uh, putting somebody on on base finally for them. Um, Freddie Fermin as well, the backup catcher, has had a really nice start to his career. I'm going down too far on the Royals. The point is is that Tarek Skubal is much better than those numbers on the road. So I just wanted to make clear that we were both aware of these weird numbers on the road and still say that when it comes to this matchup, they're playing the, like you said, the worst offense in the league. I mean, against any side of the uh, pitcher, any handed pitcher, either left or right, this Cleveland bat has, this Cleveland team has the worst slugging percentage and fewest home runs all season. And there's a good reason for that. Their WRC plus against lefties in the last two months, Nate, is 65. Just so you know, if you're not above 100, you're probably not, if you're not at least near 100, you're certainly an impotent offense in baseball at the very best. Um, so I, I, like, there's no reason to believe that that'll continue in this game. I do think that uh, Zazavion Curry, someone who continues to be susceptible, you know, he's had a couple of, uh, he's a young guy who occasionally has these numbers that like, he's had like two or three games with s- some strikeout numbers, but I don't think he's going to be able to put it get together against a Detroit team that has been much better against righties uh, than lefties. They have a much they have the advantage in terms of the split here with their bats against a righty pitcher versus um, these Detroit these uh, Cleveland bats having to go up against a lefty pitcher where they go from a bad offense to a historically bad offense essentially once they start facing lefties. So to be clear, I am uh, the way I'm betting this game. Uh, Nate kind of t- talked about it a little bit. I am taking the first five money line for Detroit. Cleveland's got such a better uh, bullpen here. They they really have that matchup on lock in this one and in a lot of the games that they play, which is another good reason for taking an under with them. So I fully support you on that. Um, but it, it's also a, a situation where I don't want to have to bet on Detroit to, to maintain a lead and then pull this one out, uh, pull this one out with their bullpen. I think Scooble uh, gets it done and keeps this thing to like under two runs or so in the first inning that he's able to limit them to. And then we'll see if Zazavion can make it five or six innings in this one uh, before he has to get pulled. So... That is all the time we have for you in this one, though. I'm uh, going to continue to ride the uh, the little streak we started here of making some money each night uh, on, t- on Thursday night tonight. So continue to follow along, like, and subscribe. Until we see you next, happy betting. <laughs>